Let's talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the foundation of faith, the foundations of faith. Now, this is going to be very important because I want you to understand um, that when we talk about these foundations of faith or we start to talk about these uh, faith fundamentals, right, when we start talking about that, then what we're going to be talking about is how do we come to a complete understanding of what faith is, okay? So here's my goal tonight. The goal of tonight's teaching is to help every single partner of Fellowship of Champions to come into the revelation of what faith is and then understand the need in the process for having a systematic plan to both grow our faith and release our faith. Okay, because we need to know what it is and then we need to know how to grow our faith or how to develop our faith and then how to release our faith. So if you joined us on Sunday morning, uh, then you know that we started, Pastor Sean and I started a new uh, teaching series uh, during our weekly Sunday celebration. And that teaching series was entitled Faith Fundamentals. If you did not get a chance to listen to Sunday's teaching. I'm encouraging you, heck, I'm imploring you, begging you, go back and listen to Sunday's teaching. Even though I'm going to recap a lot of what we talked about, man, go back and listen to Faith Fundamentals from Sunday because it's really going to set you up for great success. In Sunday's teaching, we said that in Faith Fundamentals, we would answer three important questions. Hopefully some of you remember those questions. If not, I'm going to mention to you real quick, but we're not going to talk about all of them tonight. In Sunday's teaching, we said that there were three important questions about faith. We said that we wanted to answer these following questions. Number one, what is faith? What is faith? And then we said, number two, we wanted to talk about how do we develop our faith or how do we grow our faith or how do we uh, increase our discipline with handling our faith. And then number three, we said, how do we then use our faith, right? Because once we develop it, how do we use it? Or another way to say that is how do we turn our faith loose, right? How do we turn our faith loose in order to operate in our lives? How do we uh, allow faith to do its job? And so uh, if you watch the broadcast, then you also know that we did not really answer those last two questions. Uh, really, we spent in a complete 90 minutes talking about what is faith? What is faith? And so tonight, rather than trying to go any further and answer our remaining two questions, what I want to do is I want to spend some time tonight talking about what is faith? and revisiting a few things that we said on Sunday. Now, as you know, we say this all the time here at Fellowship of Champions, and we truly, truly mean it. And that is that you never should despise repetitive teaching, especially when it comes to the word of God. You know, uh, we, we've, we've, people say sometimes, man, y'all talk about obedience so much. Y'all talk about faith so much. Yes, because we understand that the more you hear a subject, the more proficient you can become in that subject. Somebody said, well, why do y'all teach the same thing over and over? Well, Romans 10, 17 tells us. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by 
hearing, right? It says in hearing the word of God. I say it like this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. In the Latin, he uses the word ad, in, ad infinium, ad infinitum. It means to hear without ceasing. And so if we want to understand the fundamentals of faith, if we want to build a foundation of faith, then what we have to learn to do is to love hearing the message of faith over and over. In fact, go ahead and type this in the comment section for me. Say, I love hearing the message of faith over and over. I do. I love hearing the message of faith over and over. I do not despise repetitive teaching when it comes to the word of God. So tonight, let's talk about what is faith. On Sunday, we use Hebrews 11 and 1 to help us set the stage for what faith is. And so tonight, we're going to begin there. However, before we look at Hebrews 11 and 1, I want us to actually review the definition that we used on Sunday. I was talking to Pastor Sean uh, ever since Sunday, and, and, and we've been talking about this, and I have reframed my definition in order to meet with this definition, not because my nuances of words was wrong, but because I believe that if we are going to collectively learn something, then we ought to collectively learn it with fidelity, okay? And so let's take a moment, and, and I, I sincerely hope that you have been saying this to yourself a few times a day. Listen, during corporate prayer, uh, Kim Dennis, when, when she was praying, she was quoting what faith is. And when she was quoting what faith is, this is what she said. And so we defined faith as, now, now it's, please hear me. There are really four components here, okay? We said that super, we said that faith is a supernatural force, belief or power, okay? It comes from God. It is given to the believer to bring the will of God into the earth, okay? It's, it's a four-part understanding. And if you, if you think about it in those terms, you don't have to add extra stuff to it. You don't have to put a whole bunch of extra words in it. You don't have to try to go out there and grab a definition that really is related to something like hope more than faith and try to insert it. All you have to do, all you have to do is just make sure that you understand the four components of what faith is. Because I used to say it like this all the time. I said that, uh, that, that, that faith was a supernatural force from God given to me to bring God's will to pass. You know, but, but I changed it. because I, Why? Not because I didn't know those four components, but I want all of us to be on the same page with how we are defining faith. Because if we define it collectively, then we can move down the journey collectively. So what is faith? It is a supernatural force. Belief and power from God given to the believer to bring the will of God into the earth. Amen. So now that we have that working definition, now that we understand what faith is, let's look at what Hebrews 11 and 1 says. And we're going to look at this in a couple of different translations because um, we did so on Sunday. Uh, and I just, again, I want to reiterate how important it is that you understand what faith is so you're not out here, number one, getting duped when people are trying to pass off something as faith when it's not. So Hebrews 11 and 1, Pastor Sean used this one on Sunday out of the Moffat translation. It says, now faith, 
means we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. Now, notice the word confident in the word convinced. And then let's look at this in Hebrews 11 and 1 in the New English translation. And let's look at what it says here. It says, now faith is being sure. See, that's like being confident, being sure of what we hope for. So notice this. We know that hope and faith cannot be the same because we would not be defining faith with the word faith. And so he says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. Hebrews 11 and 1 in the King James Version, which most of you are probably familiar with, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now notice this, he's used words like confidence, convinced, uh, being sure, uh, substance, evidence. And when you think about all of those words, this is why I love Hebrews 11 and 1. I love Hebrews 11 and 1 in the Amplified. I think I may have put that in there. Uh, it may just be in my notes. But here's what it says in Hebrews 11 and 1. It says, now faith is. So when is faith? Faith is now. It says, now faith is the assurance. In other words, it's like a title deed. It's like a confirmation of the things hoped for. So what, whatever I have hoped for, my faith gives me an assurance. It gives me something tangible like a title deed or a confirmation number or a reservation number of the thing that I am hopeful. The Amplified, the Amplified says like this, divinely guaranteed. Now, how many of you know that when you make a reservation and you're going out of town, one of the one things you want to make sure is that you have a reservation number. If you're renting a car, you want to have a reservation number. If you're renting a place to stay, you want to have a reservation number uh, that if, if, if you're having dinner somewhere else. Why? Because that reservation number, that confirmation number says to you that you are entitled to what you had hoped for. If you left your home in whatever state you was in and you traveled across country, when you got there, you want to be guaranteed that you have a place to stay while you're out of town. And in fact, if someone says, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have any rooms. The first thing you would say is, what do you mean? I have a reservation number. I have a confirmation number. You should take that same attitude when you have prayed and God has told you what he's promised you. And then the enemy shows up and tries to tell you that what God said you could have was not available. You need to be like, hold up. My faith gives me a reservation number. My faith gives me a confirmation. I have the title deed to this thing that I have hoped for. So then it goes on to say this. It says, and it is the evidence of things not seen. Now notice that word evidence is a strong word there. Why? Because evidence is what we use to convict or what we use to acquit in a court of law. In a court of law, you either are convicted or you are either acquitted based on the evidence if things work the way they're supposed to. Well, the same thing is true in the court of the Lord. When the enemy tries to tell you your healing is not available, when he tries to tell you that your relationship reparations is not available, 
when he tries to tell you that your the, the massive souls that we're believing for is not available, you can say, hold on. I don't know what you're talking about. I have evidence of what God has said. And then he says, what is your evidence? My evidence is my faith that God said. If you allow yourself to, to operate in anything other than this kind of belief system, you're not operating in faith. Now, I mentioned to you some of those similar words, and we won't go through all of those, but you saw them. It talked about substance. It talked about assurance and conviction, having confidence, having evidence, a title deed, confirmation, and reality. I don't know about you, but this doesn't sound like a maybe to me. This doesn't sound like maybe this will work, maybe this will happen, maybe this will work out. This sounds like to me that if God says something, then, then it has weight to it. That's what that word substance means. That it has a promise attached to it, that it shall surely come to pass. That's what the word assurance means. That it has a conviction. That means I believe it with everything in me. When someone is convicted in a court of law, according to the court of law, they are guilty beyond anything else. They are convicted. My confidence, it, it's going to determine how my posture is and, and how I operate in this world based on what God has said. So, when, so, so then after we talked about this on Sunday, we then explained that faith is in, it's important for you to understand that faith doesn't deny the existence of facts. Facts exist. They exist. We can't deny facts. If, 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 I, if my arm was broken today and I had a cast on my arm, I, it would be a fact that my arm is broken. However, faith declares that God's truth is higher than facts. What do I mean? The fact is my arm could be broken, but the truth is that by his stripes, my arm is healed. So you have to decide which one you're going to operate in. You're going to operate in a lower level of belief or a higher level of belief. You're going to go off facts or you're going to go off truth. And what we're trying to get you to understand is that faith doesn't deal in facts. Faith deals in truth. Somebody put that in the comment section. Say faith deals in truth. And the truth is only what comes from God. I know people on this earth may try to tell you something different, but truth is what comes from God. So much so that if something we knew wasn't true, like elephants are pink, but if God said elephants are pink, immediately that becomes truth. So whatever God says is true, everything else that contradicts that may be a fact, but it's not a truth. And you got to get to the place where you live in truth and not in facts. Why is that important? Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says so. In the New International Version, it says it like this. For we live, what? By faith, not by sight. We live by faith. We do not live by sight. In other words, we do not function based on what we can see based on our five senses. Now, here's the question. Who was the Apostle Paul talking to when he made this statement? Yes, we know he was talking to the Corinthian church, but more specifically, who was he talking to? The Apostle Paul was talking to those who had been redeemed. Do I have any redeemed people on the broadcast tonight? Are there any people who have been redeemed 
of the Lord. They are no longer in sin, but they have been born again through the work of Jesus Christ. Because that's who the Apostle Paul was talking to. So if you say, well, I'm not saved, I'm not born again, I don't know if I believe all this. Okay, maybe this doesn't apply to you tonight. But I know for a fact that everybody who says they're born again, everybody who is redeemed, this speaks to you. For we live by faith and not by sight. In fact, the Bible goes on to show us who should be living by faith and who should not be living by sight. Let's take a look at a couple of these scriptures. Romans chapter one, verse 17. Why? Because we're talking about the foundations of faith. We're talking about how do we get to understanding what faith is? We'll never get to understanding what faith is if you don't even realize you're the one who's supposed to be living by faith. The Bible says in Romans 1 and 17, it says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. He says, in the too good to be true good news, the righteousness of God is revealed. And what is it, what is it that he's revealing? A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Now, now notice this. Your faith shouldn't be wavering. He says a righteousness that is faith from first to last. He says, just as it is written, watch this, the righteous will live by faith. Are you righteous? Are you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Are you born again? Are you a child of God? Then you are supposed to be living according to faith. I don't like that one, Pastor. No problem. Let's look at another one. Galatians 3 and 11. Galatians 3 and 11 says this. It says, and, but my righteous one will live by faith. Now, now, now who's the righteous? I am. I'm the righteous. Well, if you're the righteous, then guess what? You're supposed to be living by what? Faith. Watch this. He says, and for those who don't, now, now watch this. I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. He says, for those that don't live by faith, I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. In other words, he says, for those who are supposed to call themselves redeemed, but they're not walking in faith, he says, I take no pleasure in them. He says, they have shrunk, they, 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 they move back from this higher level of living that I've called them to, to this sense realm evidence way of living that I never called them to. He says, so my righteous ones live by faith. If you are a righteous one, put a two in the comment. If you are a righteous one and you live and you say, yep, I know I'm supposed to be living by faith, put a two in the comment section. You say, okay, pastor, that's a little better, but I, I, need, I need another one. No problem. Hebrews 10, 38. Hebrews 10, 38. It says, and, oh, I read 10, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11 and 6. Hebrews 11 and 6, you're right. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, this is what we were talking about on Sunday. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because Hebrews 10, 38 told us he takes no pleasure in those who turn back and who don't live by faith. So Hebrews 11 then comes and says it again. And in Hebrews 11 and 6, he says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is, watch this, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. 
In other words, we cannot please God without faith. Say that in the comment section. Say, I cannot please God without faith. And because I cannot please God without faith, it is therefore imperative that I understand and that you understand what faith is. And then we must collectively understand how do we use our faith to live a life that pleases God. And notice something. God wants to be good to us. God wants to be good to us. Some of you may not even understand that or recognize or believe that, but I need all 52 of you who are watching this right now to put that in the comment section. God wants to be good to me. Make it personal. You can put your name there. God wants to be good to Edwin. God wants to be good to Ralph. God wants to be good to Chris. God wants to be good to Sean. God wants to be good to Kim. God wants to be good to Etoy. God wants to be good to us. But he says, I can't even pour out my pleasure on you if you don't understand what faith is, if you don't understand how to develop the faith that I've given you, and if you don't know how to release that faith so that it operates in the way that I meant for it to, to be able to be a blessing to you while you're in this earth. God wants to be good to us. And so then we spent a few moments and we started talking about what faith is not. I won't spend a lot of time talking about those. Or I just kind of show them to you in one fell swoop. But we said faith is not hope. We then said faith is not mental assent. We then said faith is not manifesting. It's not me using my words and my own abilities to think of something I want and then creating it with my mind. Absent Jesus Christ. We said faith is not manifesting. Faith is not hope. Something, hope is something totally different. We talked about that. If you want to hear what that is, go back and listen to Sunday's message. We said faith is not mentally ascending. What is mentally ascending? Intellectually knowing what the word says, but having no revelation how to apply it. Being able to quote the scriptures, but can't live it worth a darn. We said faith is not mental ascent. And then lastly, we said faith is not sense realm knowledge or human sense. In, in essence, what we said was this. Believing is a choice. Believing is a choice. That's, that, that is why you can take 10 people and they can all hear this same message I'm preaching tonight. And four or five of them can hear this message and faith will rise up in them. Something will rise up in them to say, I need to understand what faith is or something will energize what, what the, 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 the revelation that they already have to make them want to walk it out even more. And another five people will be like, well, that was an absolute waste of time. That was the most boring, unintelligible thing I've ever heard. Why? Because believing is a choice. We choose to believe. That's why God says all the time, he says, listen, that's why faith has to be your confidence. That's why it has to be your assurance. That's why it has to function as your title or warranty deed, because you have to be able to believe me even when you can't see it. You have to choose to believe me because of who I am. And we talked about John, um, we, we, we talked about uh, Thomas in John, in John chapter 20. We talked about that. And we talked about how John, uh, the disciples came to him and, and they told him uh, that they had seen Jesus. And basically what he said was he said at the end of that John 20, 24, 25, he said, except I shall see in his hands 
the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails. And unless I can thrust my own hand into his side, watch this. He says, I will not believe. I will not believe. What is it that God has to do for you or you won't believe? I ain't going to believe God about the job till I get the job. I ain't gonna believe job. I ain't gonna believe God about my kids being saved till they walk down the the, the, the hallway or the other the, the aisleway at the church and get saved. I ain't gonna believe it unless I unless unless I can see it with my natural eyes. Unless I can unless I can touch it or smell it or or hear. It, I just ain't gonna believe that. Well, believe is a choice. God's not gonna come in and make you believe anything. Believing is a choice. If you keep reading this account, you find out later that Jesus then says to Thomas, he says, blessed are those who believe and did not see. So where does the empowerment come from? From making the choice to believe God. When I make the choice to believe God, that's where the empowerment comes from. That word blessed means empowered to prosper. So empowered to prosper are the people like us who can believe God based on a word even when we cannot see. Even when we cannot see. Why is that important? Well, because Jesus himself tells us this. Look at Mark 9.23. Mark 9.23, Jesus literally says, if thou canst believe, then what? All things. All things are possible to him that believeth. People say things like, well, I just don't understand why everything seems to be working so bad for me. If you want me to be honest and tell you, it's because you have a root belief that everything's going to work bad for you. And so your faith is working because the Bible tells me when I'm focused on the word of God and what God has said to me, even though I'm going to have troubles in this world, I don't spend my time focusing on the trouble. I can't tell you how bad things are. I can only tell you what God has said, and I can only tell you how I'm praising him because I understand that if God said it, I'm going to see it. So you have to do a litmus test for yourself. What do you spend your most time focusing on? And I guarantee you, whatever you spend the most time focusing on is what you believe the strongest, whatever it is. And then that is the reason you get the results of what you spend your time on. Notice this. We all have the power to believe. We all have the power to believe. Why? Because God put in mankind, even before we were regenerated into his children, born again believers, he put the innate ability in all of us to believe because he knew we would need to believe. Well, Pastor Edward, where do you get that from? Romans chapter 12, verse three. It says, for I say, this is the Apostle Paul writing this to the church in Rome. He says, for I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you. He's talking to everybody. He says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. He says, but here's how you ought to think. He says, think soberly. He says, according as God has dealt to every man, watch this, the measure of faith. He has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So God didn't give Chris a, a gallon of faith and give Ralph a quart of faith and give me a pint of faith and give somebody else an ounce of faith. He gave every man the measure of faith. The question 
comes up to what have you done with your faith? All of us have abs, unless you had some medical condition that you that it wasn't there. But in the anatomy of the human, we all have abs. Some people's abs, you can see every single one of them. There are others of us, you just got to believe they're there. You, you just got to believe I got some abs. You ain't going to see them with my shirt off. It ain't, you ain't gonna, they ain't defined, but they there. Well, what's the difference? Well, somebody has defined and worked out their abs, and they've gotten in shape, and now they have been developed. My abs haven't been developed. You want to know why somebody else's faith works, and it seems like yours don't? They've been working to develop their faith. And because they've been working to develop their faith, they become more fluent and efficient at using their faith. So why has God given every person the measure of faith? Well, because for every promise, for every principle, and for every prophecy, there is a faith process necessary to bring it to pass. If, if you go to a church, you go to an event, someone walks up to you somewhere, they give you a word. Listen, I don't care how accurate the promise is. I don't care how accurate the principle is. I don't care how accurate the prophecy is. It is going to be necessary for you to engage with the faith process in order to bring it to pass. Why? Because the definition of faith says it is a supernatural force, a supernatural belief, a supernatural power from God giving to the believer, that's you and I, to bring the will of God into the earth. So if we're going to get the will of God to be brought into the earth, and God says the only way to receive any of his promises is through faith, then we're going to have to learn to operate in the faith process in order to get every promise, every principle, and every prophecy to come to pass. Amen? One of the best examples of that that I have found in the word of God, not saying it's the only one, it's one of the better ones that I enjoy, is Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24 says this. It says, for and this is Jesus himself talking. He says, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever, any whosoever's out there, if you are whosoever, go ahead and type in the comments, say, I'm a whosoever. He says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. And he was talking to his disciples about an actual mountain. He says, be thou removed and tell that mountain to be cast into the sea. Here's the condition. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass. He says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, it's, it's a lot in there, but it's very simple if you think about it. He says, whoever has the faith to say to a mountain, be removed and to be cast into the sea. It's not enough to just say it. He says, but you have to not doubt in your heart what you're saying. When you say it and you have to believe, you have to have assurance, confirmation that those things which you say shall come to pass. Not they might happen, 
Like, I'm going to say it and see what's going see what's going to pop off. He says, you got to believe they shall come to pass. He says, and if you do that, you will have whatsoever you say. He says, therefore, I'm saying unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, here's the question. When do I have them? He says, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, that, that, that's, the, that's the secret sauce. Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, he says, okay, when you pray, what should be happening? You should believe that you receive them. What are them? The things you're praying for. He says, and if those things are connected, what's going to happen? And you shall have them. But here's where intellectual reasoning gets in the way. You say, well, I pray that I will be healed. The doctor still says I have cancer. Well, are you going to operate in facts or are you going to operate in truth? Because the truth is what God said. And what did God say? God says whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So you have to check for yourself. What are you believing? Are you believing what you can see in the natural? Are you, are you functioning in what faith is not? Are you functioning in human reasoning? Are you functioning in sense realm evidence? See, this is why it's important for the believer to grow up spiritually. This is why it's important for the believer to both develop and live a lifestyle of faith. Because if you don't know what faith is, you don't know when you're not operating in it sometimes. And that is why it is easy for all of us, if we're not careful, to slip out of faith. Why? Because we forget how these, fun, how these uh, fundamentals or these foundations of faith should be working. Now, let me just parenthetically insert these couple things. I personally believe, this is my personal belief, I personally believe that any point of mastery starts first with being exposed to instruction. Let me let you think about that for a second. If you want to become masterful at any task or skill, it starts with you being exposed to instruction. Listen to me. Michael Jordan had a basketball coach. Tiger Woods has a golf coach. Serena Williams had a tennis coach. Alex Rodriguez had a baseball coach. Why do you think you don't need a faith coach? Why do you think you don't need to be instructed in something just because it's in the Bible? That would be like me saying I don't need to be instructed in calculus because it's in the book. So if you want to become masterful at something, the number one thing you're going to have to do is know I need to be exposed to proper instruction. Okay? And then here's my second personal belief. After being exposed to instruction, then you have to take it upon yourself to become a person who self-studies in order to become proficient in the subject matter. Serena Williams has a tennis coach. Her tennis coach can give her tips. Her tennis coach can give her uh, new skills and new things to do. But guess what she has to do? She has to practice those on her own. She cannot only practice those things when she's with her coach. 
Alex Rodriguez has to go into the batting cage. And while he's hitting the baseballs, he has to be listening to his coach about his stance, about his swing, about his positioning over the home plate. He has to be listening. But after he does all of that instruction, he has to go and practice. Why? Because he has to be exposed to instruction, but then he has to practice. In the practicing, in order to become proficient at anything, you then have to look at certain patterns and certain examples in order to help you become more efficient. Sean is teaching Jordan how to drive. And as she is teaching Jordan how to drive, they have to drive certain routes several times. Why? So that she can get proficient with understanding the patterns so she can understand how to take certain turns, how she can make a, how to understand how to make a left turn, how to understand how to make a right turn. When it comes to walking in faith, you have to learn the patterns. The Bible says, do not be ignorant of Satan's devices. You have to learn the patterns that Satan uses against you to try to get you out of faith. And then you've got to practice doing the things your faith coach tells you to do so that you don't get out of faith. And then you got to have enough sense to sit down and to humble yourself and to get some instruction. Oh, well, I can't I can't listen to them on Tuesday night. I got so and so to do. I can't listen on Thursdays. I got so and so to do. I can't listen on Saturdays because I got so and so to do. When can you sit down and learn something so that you can learn to get yourself out of trouble or at least learn how not to get in trouble instead of always having to depend on somebody else? Now, Pastor Edwin loves you. I'm not fussing at you, but I am telling you that it is important when you see cycles in the life of the people in your ministry, you have to address them. So you need to be exposed to instruction. You need to then study on your own what the instructor has instructed you to do. And then you need to look for certain patterns and examples and practice those until you become proficient. And then here's the last part. Because this is the part where a lot of holy rollers and church folk mess up. You need to get out of the laboratory. You need to get out of the lab and you need to get into the actual thick of life so that you can actually perfect your faith. You come into church, you being around only people who are applauding for you and doing all the right things. That's not real life. Real life takes place out there. It takes place on your job. It takes place in your marriage. It takes place with your kids. It takes place in your community. It takes place when you are dealing with other ungodly people. That's when you need to use your faith. When God calls you to do something and your pocketbook ain't nearly big enough. Your network ain't nearly big enough. Your education ain't nearly deep enough. Once God calls you out to that, what are you going to do then? Well, I'm going to rely on the instruction I've received. I'm going to think about all the self-study that I did. I'm going to think about how I practice and I expose myself to patterns and examples so that when I see this happening in somebody else's life, my coach told me how to deal with this. And then number four, I'm going to deal with real life. I'm not going to cave in. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to shrink. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to fall back. I'm not going to make it so that God doesn't find pleasure in me. I'm going to do 
what I'm supposed to do, which is to walk by faith because I spent the time learning what faith is. Amen? So then let's talk about why faith is important. Just real quick, we get to the end here. Why faith is important. The development of one's faith is just as necessary for spiritual growth as nourishment is to the natural body. If you don't eat properly, if you don't get enough calories, the right kind of calories, all the right macros, if you don't do that, your body cannot work to its optimal abilities. The same thing is true with you. If you don't develop your faith and you don't seek to develop, listen, I've been, I've, 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 I got saved with, in, in 2016. Every since then, every message I've heard about faith has helped me to develop my faith to where it is today. And guess what? I still got a long way to go. I still have a long way to go. It's why I don't despise repetitive teaching because I need the development of my faith as much for my spiritual growth as I need for my natural food to grow my natural body and to have natural development. Believers must be instructed in faith because faith is not automatic. Faith is not automatic when you receive salvation, not in the sense of biblical faith. God has given us all the measure of faith, the ability to believe. But if you're going to have Bible faith, Bible faith must be taught. It must be taught. You have to learn how to walk by faith. In fact, I say this all the time and people don't like it. But after salvation, you as a believer, you're as much saved as you will ever be saved if you are saved. Now, I won't get into that debate tonight, but if you are saved, okay, you are as much saved as you will ever be. In fact, if you are born again, it's not even necessary for you to ever hear another message on salvation for your own benefit. Now, you might need to hear a message about salvation um, because it reminds you of what Jesus did. And, and I know we like to say, oh, I repented and came back to the Lord. Okay, I get that. But if you were saved, the Bible says you were born of, a, of an incorruptible seed. You didn't get unsaved, okay? You might have to refocus your attention on some things in order to walk out your salvation in terms of doing the right things. But you didn't become unsaved if you were ever saved. But the message of faith, the message of personal growth and personal development should always be preached after the message of spiritual regeneration, because the born again experience that we receive does not automatically teach us how to walk in faith. So here's the question, Pastor Edwin, why must I be instructed in faith? Because you don't know how to walk in faith. That's why you must be instructed. It, it, a born, just because you've been to church, just because you helped put on vacation Bible school, just because you served as a deacon, just because you was on the usher board, just because you helped raise enough money in the fundraiser, none of that means you know anything about faith. Go ahead and put this in the comment section. Say, I must be instructed in faith. I must be instructed in faith. Why must I be instructed in faith? We're not going to go to it, but Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 says, because that's how all the promises of God are received. I have to be instructed in faith because Paul, when he wrote to the church of, of, in Galatians, he says to them, he says, listen, all of the promises of God are received by faith or through faith. 
And so if all the promises of God are received by faith, and I want to experience his and I want to experience the promise of God, I must learn how to walk by faith. I must understand what faith is. I must understand how to develop my faith and define and grow my faith, and then how I can turn my faith loose. That's why I think this funda this faith fundamental series is going to be so imperative for so many of you, because a lot of y'all found us in the pandemic. And y'all keep singing all the time, over and over and over. I never heard nothing like this. My pastor don't preach this. I was never taught this. Okay, maybe you weren't, but now you're being instructed. Now will you sit down and now will you learn? Now will you spend the time to do the self-study? Now will you spend the time to practice? And will you get out of the lab and go live this so you can really see your faith work in real life and in real time? Let me show you some examples of what faith looks like because it's important for you to always have a litmus test, right? Uh, Ralph is, is a pretty proficient builder, okay? I was laughing with him the other day. We were talking about building a pizza oven or that the fact that a pizza oven can be built. And I was talking to him and I said, you know, you can build one of those on YouTube. And he was like, yeah, you can. And I was like, no, I can't. You can. I ain't proficient at building nothing. You could build a pizza oven. And if I was to build one, I would have to see the one he built to see whether I was even close to building the right thing. Some of you need to take some examples and see if you are even in faith. Some of what you call in faith ain't even faith. And I ain't trying to be rude. And I ain't trying to be mean. I want to help set you free. But some of the stuff you call in faith, it ain't faith. You hoping and you wishing. And sometimes on occasion, your bank account lines up with it. But it ain't faith. You hoping and wishing, and every now and then the, the, the health report comes back a little better than you thought. But you're not in faith, and you're not in faith because you don't have the posture of the people that are given to us as examples of what it looks like to walk by faith. Let's look at a couple of these. Both of them come from Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 22 is about the woman with the issue of blood, right? And then in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, it's about the blind men with open eyes. Pastor Sean and I were writing today and we were talking about Matthew chapter 9. Um, we were talking about Matthew chapter 9, verse 22, with the woman with the issue of blood. Here, if you and you know the story, I don't have to preach it to you, but here's what she says. She says, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, she says, I know I will be made whole. There's that assurance again. There's that title deed, there's that confidence. She says, if I can just touch it, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I so believe in him. I can be made whole. The Bible says that when she touched Jesus, Jesus felt virtue go out of him. He looked around in the crowd. He said, who touched me? His disciples like, Jesus, you tripping, man. How are we supposed to know who touched you? You don't see this crowd of people? He said, no, no, no. Someone touched me different than everybody else is touching me. Faith just touched me. The Bible says he looked at her and he told her, he says, he says your faith Come on, y'all preachers, y'all know this. Y'all been in Bible school. He says, your faith made you what? Whole. Your faith made you whole. Jesus didn't even say, I made you whole. He didn't say, God made you whole. He didn't say, how much you understood about the word made you whole. He said, your faith made you whole. What is faith? Faith is a supernatural power. 
a supernatural belief, a supernatural force that comes from God given to his people, the believer, so that his will will come to pass in our lives in the earth. That's what he did for her. If, if you're not operating like that, you got to ask yourself, what more do you need to do to develop your faith? Let's look at Matthew uh, 9 and 29. You didn't have to go there. I'm just trying to give you the scripture so you can go study on your own. But the Bible says here that there were two blind men and the two blind men asked Jesus, could he heal them? And Jesus says, wrong question. The question is not, can I heal you? The question is, do you believe? Now, why did Jesus ask them, do they believe? Because believing is a choice. And Jesus knew that. And if they said, no, we don't believe, Jesus himself would not have been able to cause their eyes to come open. Why? Because they didn't believe. And in order for them to receive the promise of sight, they had to function in faith. So they said, Jesus, can you heal us? Jesus says, wrong question. He said, the question is, do you believe? They say, yes, Lord, we believe. Jesus then says to them something so profound. I love this. He says, then become what you believe. The Bible says, and immediately their eyes opened. They became what they believed. You say you believe you're healed, but every time you feel an ache and pain, you're talking about what disease you got. You say you believe God for financial prosperity, but every time you got a bill show up, you're wondering and panicking about what you're going to do. You need money for X, Y, and Z. You don't need it for another 30 days. And already you're talking about how you don't have it 29 days before. You are not in faith. Faith is a supernatural force, power and belief from God given to us as believers so that his will can be brought to pass in our lives in the earth. That is what faith is for. That is what faith did for the woman with the issue of blood. That is what faith did for the man who was, the two men who were blind and wanted to see. Understand something. The disciples struggled a lot like we do. They would see Jesus do these things. And although they were with Jesus, they didn't understand faith. That's why Jesus had to instruct them. And they got this revelation because in Luke 17 and 5, they asked Jesus to instruct them in faith. Here's what he says. It says, and the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Now, if you study that word out, they weren't asking Jesus to give them more faith. They understood they had the measure of faith. A better translation of this, it says, and the apostle said unto the Lord, teach us about faith. Teach us. We don't know it. We see you do it. We tried to mentally assent to it. And when we did it, the demons beat our clothes off. So, so, so help us to understand what faith is. So again, we talked about this in Hebrews 11 and 1. Won't go to it again, but we said faith is our assurance. Faith is our assurance. Why can faith be our assurance? Because faith begins, some of y'all ought to be able to finish this sentence, where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And once I know the will of God for my life, that anchors me. And because I'm anchored in who God is 
and what God has said, now my hope gets elevated. And when my hope gets elevated, when things happen in the natural that are counterintuitive to what it is that I'm expecting to see and receive, I don't let go of my faith because my, my, my hope is anchoring me. Now, we talk about this, and I won't, I won't go through all of these, but we talk about these five faith expectations, okay? There are five faith expectations and every person you can check to see whether you're even in operating in faith because if you're operating in faith, these things will be in operation at least in your belief system. Number one, you'll have a plan of action. Number two, you will have wisdom from God, okay? God, God always gives us a plan of action. He may not give us the full plan, but God always gives you the next step. Somebody put that in the comment section. Say, God always gives me my next step. He might not give you the next 10, the next 20, or the next 30, but God is always going to give you the next right thing to do. He's going to give you your next step. And then number two, you can expect to receive wisdom from God, which is simply the revelation knowledge designed to give you that supernatural advantage that faith is. And then number three, you're going to be able to receive the favor of God. What is the favor of God? It is his unearned and undeserved kindness. It is also God's willingness to get involved in our affairs. God will get involved in your affairs and he will change things around. Why? Because he desires to get his will in the earth. So when you partner with him in faith, right, faith is that supernatural force, power, belief that comes from God for me. And it assists me in helping God get his will into the earth. God's always going to show me favor. I can always expect favor when I am in faith. And number four, one of the other expectations is that I can expect a miracle. Now, I may not be able to uh, determine when it's going to come, but I can always be in expectation of one. God is still in the miracle working business. And then lastly, number five, which I think is the most important one out of all of these sometimes, is you got to have strength to endure until change comes. If you are in faith, you got to have the strength to endure. You got to know that if God gave you a plan of action and you're walking it out, that yes, some things may come against you to try to stop you because the Bible says you have an adversary. You and I have an adversary who don't want to see us succeed. But if you get a plan of action from God, God is giving you wisdom. God is showing you favor. You can be believing for a miracle. But even if none of those things seem to be working, you can always check your faith by this last one. Do you have the strength to endure until change comes? Do you have the strength to endure? Why is number five so important? Because it ties in with Psalm 62. Verse one and two, I have these written out in my, and I looked again today in my uh, Thompson chain reference Bible. I have these five points written in the margin. And beside number five, I have in parentheses, Psalm 62, verse one and two, because here's what it says. It says, truly my soul. Now let's stop for a minute. We don't, cause we don't want to skip over words. He did not say my spirit. He did not say my body. It says truly my what? Soul. My mind, my will, my emotions, my imagination, and my intellect. Those things that are being anchored by hope, they wait up on God. Why? Because from him comes my salvation. Not just getting to heaven, but salvation, deliverance out of whatever problem I am facing. 
Verse 2 says, he only, I love this, I mean, my Bible only is underlined. He only is my rock. He only is my salvation. He only is my defense. Watch this. Here's my attitude. I shall not be greatly moved. I shall not. I wish I said, I wish I had some. I shall not be greatly moved folk in this broadcast this evening because I don't care what comes my way. Come hell or high water, I will not be greatly moved. I don't care what the doctor report says. I don't care how many no's I get. There are some of you right now, you're ready to give up because the bank told you no. Man, forget the bank. He only is my rock. He only is my salvation. He only is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. And then if you go to verse five, Verse five says this, my soul, wait thou only upon God. Why? Because my expectation is from him alone. Now he can choose to do it however he wants to do it. He can use whoever he wants to use. He can use a man in Australia or a woman in Brazil. I don't know how God's going to get it done. That's not my, that's not my knowledge to know that until he reveals that to me. But what I know is that my expectation comes from him because that's what faith is. It is a supernatural. Y'all don't get tired of hearing me say this. It is a supernatural force, power, or belief that comes from God to me as a believer so that his will can be done in the earth. That is what faith is. And I, and I don't allow that to work in my life if I'm backing up every time I'm faced with troubles. People be like, well, if I, I just want to learn more about faith so I won't have no troubles. What? That's not how that works. Jesus told us in this world, you're going to have troubles. He says, but be of good cheer. Well, how can I be of good cheer when I'm going through troubles? He said, because I've already overcome them. So let, 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 let your focus, let, let, let your soul only wait thou up on, my, uh, on me. Let your expectation come from me. And know that I have the ability to turn the hearts of kings. I have the ability to change economies. I have the ability to change laws. I do whatever I need to do when you are in faith to get my will, don't forget this, my will, not Edwin's will, God's will to come to pass in the earth. Sometimes you got to ask yourself the question, whose will are you trying to get to come to pass? Because you, you say, well, my faith ain't working. Well, whose will are you trying to get to come to pass? Because depending on whose will you're trying to get to come to pass, it's going to make a decision about whether or not you're actually even in faith. So that my expectation is not in what I can see. My expectation is not in what I can hear. My expectation is not in what I can touch. It's not in what I can taste, and it's not in what I can smell. My expectation comes from God. Somebody go ahead and say that. Say, my expectation comes from God. This is what faith is. It doesn't matter who, if anybody's teaching faith properly, this is what faith is. So as I close, and as I, I want to I wanna go back to something, I was reading some of my notes because I do that often. I was reading something that I said to you guys on August the 2nd of 2020, we were deep in the midst of the pandemic on August the 2nd of 2020. And back then the Lord had spoken to me that week 
And he actually was telling me at that time about how he had blessed us. And those of you who were around, you know, when February of 2020 hit, first of March, end of February, all the way to August, our ministry really took off. We took off in the number of people who were watching the broadcast. We, we, we literally, and I'll share some of this later at another time, but I haven't shared it with our leadership team yet, so I won't share it yet. But there was a, there was a time that we were blessing people above what we were bringing in every month. We were seeding out in help. And the Lord just said, just trust me. Because that thing that we had at that time, if you remember, was it's harvest time. That was our motto in 2020. It's harvest time. And the Lord was like, I'm going to cause this harvest to come up on you so strong that you're, you're not even going to recognize it until later, which I didn't, that he had us giving out more than we were taking in. And we never saw a deficit. Someone says, how can you do that? Because you give in faith. That's how I was working. And so God said this thing to me that I want to show you. I want to share it with you. I think they have it on the screen. The Lord uttered these words to me in prayer one time. He said, breakthrough always occurs before manifestation and is always ushered in through faith. I, ha I, ha I still have that written in my notes from August 2nd of 2020. Break now just think about it for a second. I know you're ready to go. I'm about to let you go. But think about this for a second. Breakthrough, always. When God says always, you can't. There, there's no getting around that. He says breakthrough always occurs before manifestation. And we ain't talking about manifesting like I'm using my own power. We're talking about before something shows up in your natural life. Breakthrough always occurs before manifestation. A woman always gets pregnant before she has a baby. You can, if, if that's a better way for you to understand it, a woman always gets pregnant before she has a baby. No woman has ever had a baby before she got pregnant. Okay. Breakthrough always occurs before manifestation. And he says it's always ushered in through faith. So if I'm expecting a breakthrough in my life, if I want to see that breakthrough manifest in my life, Guess what the vehicle is that's going to usher it in? It's faith. That's why I said on Sunday, you can go back and listen to it. I said that, that we have to understand that when we talk about faith, that faith is like, it's, it's like being in a car, right? Uh, it's this idea that, 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 that this mechanism, right, is going to carry us into the thing we're believing God for. It's going to be powered by love because love is the thing that makes our faith work. But that faith is going to have to be us understanding what it is. That again, it is a supernatural force, power, belief that comes from God. Okay. It is for us as believers so that God's will will come to pass in the earth. And so I was thinking about that. And so, of course, I had to go back deeper into my notes and I saw something that I want to close with tonight. And I am closing. I don't have a third closing. It's my second closing, my final one. And I want to take a look and we're not going to have it all on the screen. I don't think, and they say, I don't know if I shared my notes or not. I may have forgotten. I'm sorry. Samuel chapter one, verse nine through 18. I'm just going to paraphrase it while he has the scripture up there. I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. What happens in Samuel chapter one, verse nine through 18 you find the account of Hannah. 
And Hannah, after she had had her sacrificial meal at Shiloh, she went to the temple to pray, as she often did, okay? And while she was there, there was a priest by the name of Eli there, which was his customary practice to be beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, is what one translation says. She says she was crying bitterly, and she was praying to the Lord. And what she was praying to the Lord was about having a son. And she was telling the Lord, she says, Lord, if you'll just look up on my sorrows, if you will answer my prayer, if you'll give me a son, she says, God, I'll give him back to you. She says, he'll be yours from his entire lifetime. She says, and as a sign, I won't even put a razor on his head. I will never cut his head. But the Bible says that as she was praying to the Lord, Eli was looking at her. Remember, Eli was the priest. And the Bible says that Eli saw her lips moving, but he didn't hear any sound. And so Eli assumed that she had been drinking. And so Eli then goes over to her and says to her, how long will you be drunk in the temple? He says, put away wine from thee, Hannah. And then the Bible says in one translation that Hannah replied, oh, no, sir. I haven't been drinking wine. In fact, I haven't had any strong drink. She says, but I am very discouraged. She said, and I was here pouring out my heart to the Lord. She says, do not think that I'm a wicked woman because I'm not. She says, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Now notice, if you go back and you read this, depending on the translation you read, the one I read it out of, it says that Eli said to her, oh, is that all? In that case, go in peace. Don't miss this. He says, go in peace. What does that word peace mean? It's the word shalom. It means what? Nothing missing and nothing broken. He says, oh, is that all you were doing? Pouring out your heart to the Lord so you can have a son? He said, in that case, go in peace. He says, may the God of Israel grant you the request that you have asked of him. Now watch this. Don't miss this. The Bible says that after Eli spoke those words to her. Now, now, now you remember what how, how Hannah showed up, right? She was discouraged. She used words like being in great anguish. She used words like being in sorrow. The Bible says that after Eli told her to go in peace, that God was going to grant her, the God of Israel was going to grant her her request that she asked of him. It says, Hannah exclaimed, uh, and the Bible says that in one translation, it says that, that she exclaimed and was, and, and was joyfully praising. It says, and so the woman went her way. Hannah went her way. Watch what Hannah did. She got an appetite back. Cause you know when you're sorrowful, you don't be, you know, y'all break up with somebody, you don't eat for four, five days. He it says, it says she did eat, and watch this, her countenance was no more sad. Now, here's my question to you guys. Who did Hannah have sex with? Somebody says, What in the world kind of question? I mean, wait, she was sad because she didn't have a son. 
The man of God told her she was going to have a son and she got happy. But in order to have a baby, Hannah said to have sex. So how can Hannah be happy if she hadn't had sex yet? How can Hannah be happy if she ain't got a pregnancy test yet? How can Hannah be happy if she, if she ain't made it past the first trimester yet? How can Hannah be happy? Because Hannah got a word. Hannah got a word from God. And Hannah understood that if she believed in God, she would be established. But if she believed in the prophet, she would prosper. And her prosperity was in having a son that she had been wanting to have forever. And I'm preaching better than you saying amen. So the Bible says that when Hannah heard the man of God say to her, the Lord God of Israel is going to grant you a son, faith rose up in her. She believed that there would be a supernatural power, a supernatural force, a supernatural belief that was going to come from God to her so that the will of God giving her that son would come to pass in her life. And the Bible says immediately she got up. She immediately got up. She got an appetite back. It says, and Hannah was no more sad. Her countenance has changed. Hannah went back and was no longer the way that she was. When you encounter faith, you are no longer the way you was. You want to know why you still go through these cycles? You haven't really encountered faith yet. Or at least your faith hasn't been developed to such a degree that you have Bible faith. The fact that her countenance changed is enough to tell us how joyful she was in her heart, for she knew God had answered her prayer. Even though she had not yet conceived a child, even though she had not engaged in intercourse with her husband yet, she was convinced that what the man of God had promised her would come to pass. She didn't have any, she didn't have any natural evidence to give her that joy. But it came because she realized that she had a title deed. She was convinced. She was assured. She understood exactly what God was going to do based off just a word. I wish you would hear me. If God gives you a word, you need to respond like Hannah. Somebody said, well, pastor, it's so hard to do. That's because you don't know John 5, 14 and 15. Because here's what John, 4, John 5, 14 and 15 tells me that's highlighted in three or four different colors in my Bible from the times I've studied it. It says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. This is why Hannah was excited. This is why Hannah gave God praise. This is why Hannah knew her prayers had been answered. And if you read the story, you find out she indeed had that son. She indeed dedicated him back to the Lord. Why? Because this is the confidence. It's why folk can't stand folks who are full of faith and know what their faith will do. Because they see it as arrogance. They see us as cocky. But we're not arrogant or cocky, but we do have a confidence, and that confidence is not in our ability to manifest. Our confidence is in God. John said this is the confidence that we have when we approach God, that if we ask anything, what? According to his will. 
according to his will. Not just that I'm asking stuff. Not just that I'm out here saying, okay, I want so-and-so's husband. I want so-and-so's wife. I want so-and-so's job. I want so-and-so's plane. I want so-and-so's career. No, he says, if we approach God, we ought to have confidence that what we are asking, number one, is according to his will. And if we ask according to his will, we ought to have the confidence to know that God hears us. And if we know that God hears us, then whatsoever we ask, we know that we have those petitions. When do we have them? When we pray. Oh, man, y'all ain't going to believe it. I got my house. Well, why would we believe it? You didn't. Because if you, if you, you, you should already have your house. Oh, man, the Lord healed them. You, the Lord healed them when you pray. And I, and I don't want to come off as, as putting off, but I'm telling you, we got to change our posture in our speech. We don't get it when we get it. We get it when we pray and we believe we receive it then. The manifestation, what, what was that thing that God told me? Breakthrough always follows, breakthrough always follows manifestation, okay? And it's ushered in through faith. Or a breakthrough always occurs before manifestation. Breakthrough is breakthrough, manifestation, and faith ushers them in. That's how it works. And so if we have such confidence in God, then there is no reason why we should be walking around with heavy faces. It's no reason why we should be limiting where we live, what we eat, what we buy, what we give, what we can do based on natural circumstances. Now, we have a goal for our scholarship. But we're going to do everything God told us to do if don't nobody give a single dime this year. Why? Because how? Because I, I am convinced. I'm convinced if nobody gave a dime, when it came time to do what God told us to do, he'd make the money, he'd make the money show up. If he had to have me go up to Beaver Lake with a fishing pole and get a fish when I can't even fish, we'd have the money. I'm that convinced. What are you convinced of? Or are you just hoping it'll work out? What are you convinced of? Listen, it can be difficult not to worry. I get it because we have this human thing about us. But when it comes to God, your confidence has to be overwhelming that he cannot fail. Your confidence has to be overwhelming that if God said it, God is not a man that he should lie, not the son of man that he should repent for anything. If God said it, he's going to bring it to pass. You got to understand you got to get the kind of belief that Hannah had, the kind of belief that the blind men had, the kind of belief that the woman with the issue of blood had. You got to get the kind of belief that says, I have a peace in my heart because God has said it. And it does not matter what any external circumstances look like. I know what faith is and I can walk by faith. You got to be like the joy of the Lord is my strength. You got to say to yourself, self, the presence of the Lord grants me rest. I'm not about to worry. I'm about to lay down and get some good sleep because my daddy got this covered. I got to take my family down to Florida because one of my daughters is going to a summer um, three-week institute at the University of Miami. Do you know ain't nobody asked me nothing about how the flights were going to get booked? Ain't asked me nothing about, no, 
in terms of how we were going to pay to to stay or or, or how we were going to get uh, enrolled and all that stuff. They, they don't ask me that kind of stuff. Why? They like, daddy got it. Daddy got it. And you may not have grown up with a daddy who had it, but if you are born again, believer, you got one now. You got a daddy who got it. If you will put your confidence in him, if you will put your confidence in him, listen, I'm done for the night. Here's what I want to tell you. Go back and listen to, to Faith Fundamentals on Sunday, from Sunday. Go back and listen to it. And heck, if you get time, listen to this again. Listen to this message again, because we're just scratching the surface. We still ain't even answered or talked about the other two questions, which is how do we develop our faith? We're telling you what it is. There's a whole nother instruction. And remember, I'm a firm believer. People need to be instructed. And so we're going to instruct you on how to develop your faith. If you wanted to learn how to work out, wouldn't you listen to your personal trainer? If you wanted to learn how to do graphics, wouldn't you listen to the person teaching you how to do graphics? If I wanted to learn how to really, if I really wanted to learn how to code, I'd listen to what Nigel Valley had to tell me about coding. If I really wanted to know, if I really wanted to build a pizza oven, I'd study under Ralph to learn how to build a pizza oven. You need instruction. So keep showing up, fight your flesh. Your flesh is going to come up with every reason why you can't sit down for 90 minutes and listen to this teaching, which you will binge watch four hours of succession. Don't let your faith, don't let your flesh make you stupid. Don't let your flesh make you stupid. You tell your flesh, you shut up. We're listening to this teaching. Even if it's hard to understand, even if I got to hear it six, seven times, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to let my flesh make me stupid. Because succession ain't going to do nothing for you after you're going off. They ain't going to pay you. In fact, you paying them to watch them. So at least watch this for free and learn how to develop your faith. And then when we get through with that, we're going to talk about how to turn your faith loose. How to turn your faith loose, doggone it. How to, how to have your faith working for you when you sleep. We're going to teach you to have, to have your faith working for you so that folk going to be looking at you saying, okay, okay, something different about what I believe about faith and what you believe about faith. I need you to teach me. Then you're going to get to be the instructor. Your life is going to get to be the instructor. Amen. All right. Praise God. Listen, I'm done with the teaching. Let me run through these announcements real quick. Tonight is Wednesday night. So we've told you about that. Our next thing, uh, you can join us on Thursday at 1130, Thursday at 1130 a.m. Uh, for our solemn surrender fast prayer. Uh, I hope you guys are still hanging in there with us, still fasting with us. This week ought to be an easier week because they kind of said, hey, just kind of hear the Lord about what you need to do, which is funny because the Lord told me to do something that was actually um, <laughs> a little more than, than what I had been doing previously. Amen. But praise God, I'm feeling good and it's working out. And I'm really hearing some things from God. So I hope you will continue to do that. Join us Thursday for Solemn Surrender Prayer at 1130 a.m. Central Standard Time. And then on Friday, on Friday, we want you to come and join us for Champion Circle Prayer. Uh, we'll have Champion Circle Prayer on Friday at 6.30 a.m. That is tied into our Solemn Surrender Prayer. 
Uh, that will be day 30, I believe. Day 30, tomorrow's day 29, and then it'll be day 30 on uh, Friday morning. And we will finish up Friday morning. I, You know, they keep telling me <laughs> that it's 600 people who registered. And I believe them because I don't know them to be no liars. But I would really love for Thursday or Friday that there'd be at least 250 people show up for prayer. You signed up. I'd like for you to show up. So I don't know what y'all got to do to send emails out to everybody on that list who said they signed up, but you ought to ask them on Thursday or Friday to please one time out of the whole month show up because ain't no way we ought to have 600 folks enrolled and 80 people showing up. Amen. So do that for me. That'd be a gift for me. It's a gift you can give me and it don't cost you nothing but 30 minutes, 15 minutes. But I'd like on Thursday or Friday to see at least 250 people on our various um, broadcasts. Amen. So, so join me on Friday. We don't have anything on Saturday. On Sunday, uh, you have Pastor Chris in Elder Valley at 9 a.m. with Christian Valley Worships. And then at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, you have online Sunday celebration, which is me and Pastor Sean. Uh, and then on Monday, you have Strategies for Success at 12 noon Central Standard Time. Typically on Tuesdays, we'll have Ed Talk, but Ed Talk will not be back until um, July the 11th, where we'll kick off season two. So I uh, hope you'll join me on uh, the 11th. Also on the 11th, that night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, we will have Relationships 101. Again, you must register because it's going to be via Zoom. You must register if you're going to join us for Relationships 101 on Tuesday, July 11th. And then we'll be right back here on Wednesday with prayer at 7 and refreshed Bible study at 8. And our teens meet in between that time at 7.15 p.m. All right. Listen, one more thing. If you want to become a partner, and you should want to be a partner. Partnership has its privileges. This is one of the best churches this side of heaven. And I ain't saying that because I pastored. If I if I didn't, if I wouldn't pastor and I go to church here based on what's being taught here, you ought to become a partner of Fellowship with Champions. If you haven't done that, do that. Stop being disobedient. The Lord done told you to join. You said you're going to join. And every week you talk about, oh, I need to fill out that form. Do it. Quit procrastinating. Become a partner by going to our website at www.focchurch.com. Scroll down. Complete the partnership registration form. We will send you an email immediately telling you how you can join and be a part of our, um, our private Facebook group community. Amen. Also, I told you this solemn surrender prayer is tomorrow night. Again, let me see 250 of you guys on there on Thursday or Friday, and that will be your gift to me. Lastly, just one more time, ways to give. As Pastor Ref always says, we have 100% tithers in this ministry. Everybody who is a true partner tithes in this ministry. Everybody who is a true partner gives to this ministry. Every person who's a true partner gets involved in the things that we are doing to cause God's will to come to pass in the earth. And you can do that monetarily by giving on GiveLify, PushPay, Tithely, Text to Give. And if you're outside the United States of America, you can give via push pay. Listen, I appreciate you guys for being here. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Hoping uh, that you all will join us again on uh, Friday.
tomorrow, well, tomorrow's still here, then Friday, and then make sure you join us on Sunday. Go back and listen to those messages. Go back and hear uh, what the Lord uh, has said. Amen. Listen, thank you all so much for being here. God bless you. Have a good night.